You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. So happy to welcome back to the program Chris Martin, one of my favorite people to have on the radio. Chris is editor of BibleToLife.com. He's also content marketing editor for Moody Publishers. They bring you so much great content. You have got to check out BibleToLife.com. And uh, Chris, I would love for you uh, this morning, before we even get into sharing some of the articles and things that you've picked out today to talk to talk about, um, give us an overview of what BibleToLife.com is about for anyone that's not aware that it's even out there. Sure. So the team here at Moody Publishers, we recognize, hey, we're a Christian publisher. We, we publish books and Bible studies for people to, um, you know, grow in their walk with Christ and, and get to know the Lord better and grow in relationship with him. But as, you know, as we continue to move into an internet age and a time when people are finding faith resources all over the place, not just on the bookshelf, we really thought that it would be important for us to expand what it means to be a Christian publisher. And so we decided a couple years ago to start doing a lot more on the internet as far as providing long form resources, not just short social media things, though that's helpful as well, but some articles, things pulled straight from our books or Mm -hmm. authored by our authors. Um, And that's really the heart of Bible's life. And we recognize also that, you know, if someone has a faith question today, they're unfortunately, perhaps, uh, more likely to maybe Google that than ask someone trustworthy at their church, maybe because they're ashamed of that question or they're, they feel like they're doubting their faith and they don't want their pastor to know that or whatever. And so, um, unfortunately, there are a lot of untrustworthy resources out there on the internet, as anybody who uses yeah. the internet is aware. And we wanted to create a website that's just full of trustworthy, vetted resources that people can find answers to their faith questions and not have to wonder if they can actually trust what they're reading. And so that's that's a significant heart behind what we're doing. Well, I love it, and it just makes sense that you're doing that, and it's a trustworthy place to go. So let's jump right in. I want to start with this one. Does God have emotions? Yeah, so this is a really fun book from um, a few years ago called Do Angels Really Have Wings, which is full of, like, I think it's about 200 questions and answers just like this. They're very short little articles are it's you know um it's a short book uh of about 200 questions and and the answers are great and this one actually comes straight from there does god have emotions you know it's really easy sometimes especially you know depending on maybe how you grew up or the faith you know faith system you were raised in to think of god as a sort of emotionless or angry even you know like yeah he has one Mm -hmm. emotion he's angry you know a lot of people have this view of god where yeah he just is upset with us and he you know, he killed his son because of how messed up we are. And it's easy to get this sort of callous view of God where um, he doesn't have many emotions. And if he has any, they're, they're anger or, or negative even in general. And scripture makes clear that God has a perfect wide range of emotions. After all, he is God. He, God, the scripture tells us that he loves us in John three sixteen. Scripture tells us that he feels grief, that he is grieved. We see in Genesis six, six, obviously we know, we know he becomes angry Deuteronomy one thirty seven and, and other places. He's filled with pity. He feels pity judges two eighteen. He's compassionate, man. I, I love the compassion of God is so striking to me. We see that in Psalm one Oh three 13. He rejoices over us. He, he, he rejoices over us in Isaiah 62, 5. And those are just a few of the emotions that um, that God has that we see clearly in Scripture. God feels uh, things, and not just not just for us, um, 
but in us and he 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 shows us what it means he he is the true embodiment of perfect emotion i guess you could say Mm -hmm. and it's important for us to recognize that our god is not callous and our god uh is is a feeling god who knows what it's like to feel emotion i think that's important for us as we consider the personality and the the way that we can connect with with the God of the universe. I'm so glad that you chose this as one of the offerings because, you know, if you stop and think about it, we have emotions. We are made in his image, and yet we do still tend to think, I believe most of us, that he is angry all the time. And I think that's because we realize we mess things up so much. We know what we deserve, but we forget that he's merciful. We forget that he's joyful. And, and all the things that we feel, we have been given to feel by him. And if he did not have these emotions— well, my goodness, where did we get them? Exactly. Yeah, and even even like anger, you know, there's a couple articles on the site that have um, gotten a lot of traffic in the last few months mm-hmm. around anger. Like, is it okay to be angry at all? Is it okay to be angry at God? And anger can be very difficult because there are obvious situations in which there's a sort of righteous anger. I think we all recognize, you know, if, if there's some grie- you know grievous injustice done to us or someone we love, there's, and we see God being angry. And if God doesn't sin, obviously, then it's not inherently wrong to be angry however i think all of us know that righteous indignation righteous anger can turn into unrighteous sinful anger Mm -hmm. pretty quickly if we're not careful and so we i think we all maybe have a bit of a tenuous relationship with anger you know no one's worried oh am i too happy am i am i sinfully happy i think not not many of us think those things but i think anger especially um there's an article i think we have by dr gary chapman about is it okay to be angry at god or, or what is an appropriate method of anger and and it's important for us to wrestle through those things and recognize that it's not always wrong to be angry Um, But in our brokenness and sin, I think we do have to watch our hearts Mm -hmm. in that regard. You know, I was uh, talking earlier this morning, too, and I'm, I'm, I'm equally as pleased that you've uh, also chosen to include an article that's uh, based on Dr. Winfred Neely's book, How to Overcome Worry, The Antidote to Worry, because just last night, and I think we have every single one of us gone through this. How could we not? It's our human condition in our fallen state. But last night, one o'clock in the morning, I woke up and... Um, Boom, there it was, anxiety. I started thinking about things that I couldn't change, that I wished I could change, and I just dwelled on that for a few minutes, Chris, and I I finally just said, oh, God, I can't change any of this. I don't have any control over any of this, but you do. Please put me back to sleep, and I went back to sleep. (laughs) So talk about this, the antidote to worry. Yeah, man, it's, it's, you know, you don't, uh, how to Overcome Worry by yeah by Dr. Winfred Neely is a book you wish you didn't have to sell, but you're glad when it does because you you know that it's helping people. But you know it's one of those books where it's you know I wish we didn't have to struggle with this. Um, but I'll tell you what, even in the last couple of months, this book has been flying off the shelves, and and it's not surprising because worry and anxiety is just so prevalent today for for any number of reasons among young people, perhaps because of social media use, among those of us who are older because of things going on in our lives. Um, and I and I think it's important what Dr. Neely says here that the antidote to worry is taking everything to the Lord in prayer. And I, the same thing that happened to you, Kelly, last night has happened to me many times where I wake up in a sort of not full blown like panic attack state, but in a but in an anxious state, you know, like, wh- why am I awake? What's going on? What do I have to do? Can I do what I have to do? Where's the Lord in this? And I think it's really easy for us today for any number of reasons, whether we worry about our kids or grandkids or our spouse or um, things going on at work or things going on in our church we can those can just be such such painful conflicts or whatever else Um, it's so easy to get mired in anxiety 
and worry today that again kind of like anger sometimes there's a sort of healthy level of like concern that we have Mm -hmm. but that can become really um, entangling really quickly and can actually hinder us from going to the Lord when often the best solution for dealing with our worry and our anxiety is to just take those things straight to the Lord and and ask him for guidance and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Well, yeah, I'm lo- I've got the article opened up right now from the book, um, and it talks about prayer being a precious privilege. And we can get so wound up so tightly in our anxiety that we don't even really know how to pray. It, it seems we, we forget in the moment that we ever even could pray. We just get so wound up. Even as if, if we've walked with the Lord for a long time, we forget we can pray. Yeah. Yeah, and this is where, you know, we can be comforted by the scripture that tells us that the Holy Spirit groans on our behalf when we don't know what to pray. Mm-hmm. We can just, you know, sit before the Lord. I think it's, uh, I think my youth pastor is the one who told me this. Gosh, I still remember from high school that it is one of the greatest privileges we have to, ent- like, literally spiritually enter the throne room of God and petition on our behalf or the, on behalf of others. And you know, even if you just find yourself sitting in your office chair or kneeling beside your bed or laying in your bed, you are, are, are truly, in a very real sense, even if you're not physically going to a different place, entering the throne room of God. And even if you have nothing to stay, nothing to say, you can still show up. Mm-hmm. And I think in showing up, even if you don't know what to say in prayer, by making yourself available to hear from the Lord and to just sit before the Lord in a spiritual posture of prayer, know that the Holy Spirit can groan on your behalf even if you don't know what to say. Well, and I think it's even perfectly okay to start with, God, I'm here, and and I don't know what to say. Because then you can start pouring exactly. out from there, you know, and he hears. Um, Chris, four ways the Bible changes you. This is something else that you've uh, curated for us as well. And I remember being a very young Christian. I was just maybe within the first week of having received Jesus as my Lord and Savior and holding that Bible in my hand. And which, by the way, for those of you listening, listening, um, this is based off of How to Eat Your Bible by Nate Pickowitz. And we've had him on the air, too. Great book. I have a copy on my bookshelf at home. But I remember holding my Bible in my hands and thinking, I sense this this thing has every answer that I need. It's it's in it, and I, I sense this book has power within its pages, but I don't know how to use it. Where do I start? What, what does all of this mean? I remember that so clearly, so share about four ways the Bible changes you. Yeah, and if you're like me, like uh, all of Scripture is valuable for all kinds of reasons and ways in our lives. But like, if you're like me, I just got to the section of my Bible reading plan this year where I just started numbers, and there are so many lists and and numbers, appropriately enough, and census data, and this many troops, and all of these things. And sometimes it can be discouraging when we get to certain points of our Bible reading and be like, "Man, what is this even doing to me? Like, is is this really helping?" And you know, I've, I it's easy, it's good. I think it's a appropriate biblical metaphor and a very practical metaphor to think of our Bible reading as sitting down to a a dinner, sitting down to a meal. And not every meal is the greatest steak dinner you've ever had. Sometimes you're eating a granola bar in the car on the way to work. And sometimes our Bible reading is just that. Not not every time we sit down and read scripture is going to be the most lavish feast of God's word that we've ever had. Sometimes it's the spiritual equivalent of eating a granola bar in the car on the way to work. And I think when you get in those times, it's it's easy to be discouraged, but I think it's important that we not be and recognize that the Bible can change us, even if we're reading a section of scripture that may seem less relevant to our lives than another section. And I think the four ways that Nate lists here are very helpful. He says briefly, it changes your spirit. The Bible makes an exclusive claim to be the means by which 
we are saved through the message of the gospel. Second, it changes your mind. It changes how you think. Uh, Proverbs 2, 6 says, says that the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Bible is clear that true knowledge comes from God. And even Paul talks about that in his letter to the Colossians. Third, Nate says it affect, it changes your emotions. It changes your affections. David says in Psalm 119, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 15, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. It really, I have seen this myself, how scripture changes my emotions and, and what I care about. And fourth and finally, he says, it changes your will, your volition. Once we've received new life in Christ, he writes, we've had our minds changed and enlightened to the things of God and have been affected emotionally. We're compelled to act. It Scripture leads us to act and change. And I think if you find yourself maybe as a Christian, you're like, man, it really hasn't, it hasn't changed how I act. Well, then I'm, I'm not going to tell you to question your faith, but I do think you should examine your relationship with your faith and say, is this just something I view as a sort of fire insurance for down the road when I mm-hmm. need it? Or is this something that really does change how I live right now? Do I, you know, I still sin, I still mess up, but do I hate that sin? And do I want to be turning away from it, even if I don't turn away from it perfectly? And so it, the, the scripture and our engagement with God's word should change how we act, even if incrementally, we're not going to become perfect overnight or really frankly at all, but it should help us to want to become more like Jesus. And so those are our four ways that Nate shows us how scripture changes um, how we live. Such great content, Chris. And if you're just tuning in, by the way, we are talking with Chris Martin. He is editor of BibleToLife.com. He's also content marketing editor for Moody Publishers. The books you've heard us mentioning from which these um, articles are drawn are available at MoodyPublishers.com. You're going to see more information at BibleToLife.com. And I want to go back to the website very quickly, Chris, uh, BibleToLife.com, because people can get Bible insights by email there, too. Um, If you would, and I, I had to share a little bit about the website for people that are not uh, familiar with the fact that it exists. Uh, talk a little bit for before we let you go, just about how to use the website, if you would. Yeah, of course. The site is really designed to be as easy as possible for people, depending on how they want to use it. So there's a giant search bar on BibleToLife.com where if you have a topic or a question that you want answered, you can just search it in there and you should find a relevant article or two for what you're looking for. And if you don't, um, feel free to reach out through the contact form and tell me and I'll get something up there that's helpful for you. Um, But then also, yeah, like you said on the Get Updates page, uh, we send out just one email a week on Fridays. It's the it's the weekly insight from Bible to Life. And it's just a little bit of a feature of, hey, here are some things that have been posted recently or that might be timely for whatever's going on in the world. Um, and that could be helpful for you. And we don't spam you. We don't send, again, I'm sending one on a week on Friday mornings. In fact, the one for this week is just about to go out. Um, but you can search by topic. There's a topic index of something like 50 different topics of articles that you can look for. Maybe you're looking for something on a particular passage of scripture. You know, you're looking to prepare a, a lesson on Philippians 2. We've got resources on Philippians 2 or or however you want to navigate. So um, I wanted to make it as easy as possible for whoever's wanting to use the site and uh, again, if you like I said just a second ago, if, if you're not finding something you want or it, the site's confusing or something, there's a contact form that comes straight to me. And I want to hear from anybody who's using the site and how we can make it better. It is so super easy to use. And just to give those of you listening uh, an example of what I'm looking at right here, because um, any of these would be so 
um, great if you're trying to help others in your life. Maybe um, you've got someone you're talking to about the importance of belonging to a local church, getting connected. Here's an article, The Importance of Connecting to a Local Church, or The Four Biblical Principles of Money Management, or Where Does Lent Come From? Uh, go take a look, BibleToLife.com. There is so much waiting there for you. It is all free to you. Uh, Chris and his staff work hard to put this together for you. And I love this website, Chris. Thank you for everything that you do and for spending time with us to talk about it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, before we let you go, one more thing. I know I keep bleeding you for information, but you've got a book out through Moody Publishers, and we're going to be connecting with you on that. Um share with people about that too if you would because i'm excited yeah. we were just talking about it a couple of days ago because we got our copy in the mail so we're going to have you back to talk in depth about it but give us a quick plug yeah yeah i'll be on in a few weeks uh, i i'm an author myself and in, in, in addition to running this website you know for fun on the side I, I write about social media i study social media a lot and i study what is social media doing to us and i wrote a book last year kind of that was meant to be a mirror of hey what's social media doing to me and what do i do about it that's called terms of service but this newest one is the wolf in their pockets 13 ways social media threatens the people you lead and this is about hey maybe you're a parent or a pastor and, or a community group leader at your local church and you recognize that social media is the chief discipler in the lives of the people that you care about and you're wondering how can I disciple someone who seems to be discipled by social media more than anything else I wrote a book to try to help as a tool to help disciple and lead people who are being shaped by social media and so that's the point of that and yeah I think in a few weeks I'll be back to talk about that more than uh, more than this so it'll be fun well looking forward to it man and you uh, again thank you for spending time with us You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.